This is The Weekender on Y95, brought to you by Eris Yarmouth. Good morning and welcome to The Weekender on Y95, brought to you by Eris Yarmouth, your one-stop healthy home center. I'm Kevin Northup. The Weekender for Saturday, January 28th, 2023. Coming up this hour, La Vielle Maison in Matagan is in a big contest that could revitalize the historic structure. Dan Robichaud with the Society will speak on how you can help. Jacob Postaway talks to Ian White with Western County's Regional Libraries about the programming being offered this year. A dead whale washing ashore in Wedgeport this week. We spoke with Tanya Wimmer of the Marine Animal Response Society. And the Valley High School Hockey League Boys All-Star Game goes this Sunday in Yarmouth. Julianne Boudreau with the host Parambaugh Sharks will tell us more. The Weekender returns in a moment on Y95. Welcome back to The Weekender on Y95. I'm Kevin Northup. Well, this is a huge deal uh, for the municipality of Clare. The uh, the Society Vielle Maison Association, uh, they are in a big competition right now. And here to tell us about that is uh, the secretary of the board of directors of uh, the Society. We have Dan Robichaud on the line this morning. Good morning, Dan. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Now, you were telling me before we went on the air that uh, this has gone absolutely viral. And we're going to get into all these details and what this competition is all about, uh, first of all. But uh, for those who don't know, can you tell us a bit about uh, the Society Vielle Maison and, uh, and what it is and, uh, and what's needed there? Well, the, the Vielle Maison is a museum in Metagan. It's right on the main road. Uh, it's hard to miss. It's, it's part of the, the, the Metagan skyline. It's really defining the defining building on our big city skyline. Um, and it's, uh, it's a museum about Acadian culture and, and the settlers who came back from exile. Um, it is one of the most well-preserved post-exile structures in Canada. Um, and that's sort of like backed up by science and studies. And uh, about 20 years ago, it fell into legal limbo. Let's, let's put it like that where ownership of the parcel had defaulted to a whole group, a whole consortium in the U.S. And that made a situation that made it absolutely impossible to intervene and to continue to operate the museum. So for the last 20 years, our little treasure, our little treasure on the Metagan metropolis skyline has been sitting padlocked and decaying. And our group in the last two years has worked to resolve the legal limbo and put ourselves in a position where we can actually intervene and do some conservation on the house. And that last summer, with the application of the big, huge Acadian flag tarp that can almost be seen from Yarmouth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I I know a lot of people have noticed that. What's been the the reaction to that from the community? Uh, It was definitely a wake-up call when when we were able to put the tarp there and say, you know, we're, we're organized enough at this point that we exist, we're real, there's bank accounts, there's fundraising, there's uh, and, and now here's here's carpenters on the roof waterproofing the house so we, so we can yeah, at least prevent damage from continuing to occur. Um, and there's been a lot of enthusiasm around that uh, throughout the summer since, since we've put that tarp. But then obviously since the last month, uh, we've been completely sidetracked, uh, hoping we become Canada's next great save. The next great save, and that's where I'm going next with this. This is a, a, a huge deal. What is the next great save, and how uh, were you able to apply for it? 
The next great save is a program by the National Trust for Canada. It is the second year of operation. They've had similar programs before, but it's the first time that it's it's sort of in this uh, Hockeyville format. Let's put it that way. The, the, the format is more similar to the large televised competitions like Canadian Idol or Hockeyville or, or the, the, those things that we're a little bit more familiar with. Um, so that is the, the, the great save. It's an online competition where people get to vote. Um, and there are 10 sites in Canada of historic character who are vying for a single prize of $50,000. And let me tell you, $50,000 fixes our little house in Matagan, and it even gives us enough to, to help with the first year's programming, which would coincide with the World Acadian Congress. So we have our eyes on, on, on stepping our game for that, too. And this is the only uh, nominee for the next great save in Nova Scotia. I see there's uh, one or two here in New Brunswick, but uh, if so, you're, you're encouraging probably not just the local community, but all of Nova Scotia to get involved in this and support this initiative. Absolutely. This is, uh, this is, I think it is something that Nova Scotia needed. The timing is right. We've had, you know, a drab few years with all the pandemic restrictions. We're right in the blue of winter right now. And here's this super exciting thing that affects all of Nova Scotia. It means a lot for conservation and, and saving built heritage in Nova Scotia far beyond what the little house in Matagan is. Um, and we really want all Nova Scotians to, to, to help, put, help put the museum back on the map, but, but really to benefit from this exciting month of marathon, East, versus, East Coast versus West Coast. Um, and I, I really think we actually have a chance of, uh, of taking this one home. Uh, and it's a, it'll be a source of pride for Nova Scotia, absolutely. I noticed when things like this happen, and uh, if you remember a few years ago, I think it was probably 10 years ago, that Yarmouth was in the Hockeyville uh, competition, like you said, and, and Yarmouth finished top five in the nation, which was, was absolutely huge. People here really get behind initiatives like this. And uh, and you were telling me before we went on the air that uh, their support has been beyond your wildest dreams and beyond your imagination. Absolutely. Like I said, it's only the second year the competition exists in this form. Uh, we've been completely uh, overwhelmed with how quickly it got big and viral. Um, our team, our, the, the team in Ottawa, the National Trust as well, um, you know, they just can't comprehend. In the first five days of voting, more votes came in this year than in five weeks of competition last year. That's how big it got quickly. <laughs> So we're, we're, we're astounded sometimes at seeing some of the online reactions or seeing how far comments are coming from. Uh, it's keeping us on our toes. <laughs> well, this is, it's something like you said, that uh, people are really getting behind. It means a lot to the, the history and the, uh, the Acadian culture and preserving that, certainly. And you talked about, uh, you know, the big uh, Congre Mondale that's coming uh, in 2024 as well. So I know a lot of people would love to visit uh, La Vielle Maison during that. And uh, uh, this La Vielle Maison, like you said, it's it's one of the most well-preserved uh, post-exile Acadian homesteads in Canada. So this is obviously a, a really, really big deal to get repaired. Absolutely. It's, you know, and we, we're in a community that is losing built heritage you know, not going to beat around the bush. It's, it's, we're, we've got some big buildings that we're not going to be able to save. And that is absolutely tragic. 
Um, it's not my place to comment on those particular projects. But then when we look at the VA Maison and we look at, you know, the amount of money that's really needed to step in and save it is is um, not particularly that much compared to, you know, maybe some of the ones that we can't intervene to save. Um, and it's one of those things that all we have to do is just persist and persevere a little bit. And if it costs $25,000 to put a roof on it, well, dear Lord, we can raise that in a community like this. Especially that, you know, Southwest Nova Scotia remembers Hockeyville. They know what it is. That, you know, we have to galvanize everybody around this cause and vote every day. <laughs> and the voting can take place every day for sure. And you, you mentioned the top prize is uh, $50,000. So what are some of the biggest needs uh, for that building uh, for that $50,000 if it's won? Well, there's about twenty-five dollars to $27,000, just the pure construction that has to happen. The roof has to be redone. Um, and that said, it's important to know because it is a registered historic property, uh, we don't have liberty to just use the cheapest materials or modern materials. We were absolutely... We have to have regulatory approval for even the renovations we're doing. So we're, we're actually going to fix conservation gone wrong in the 1980s, and we're going to redo a few things that were, let's say, not done to the current standards. We're actually going to do that to correct some of the errors in the past, put a roof on it, fix a few of the door, all wood doors and, and sashes, of course. There's a couple of masonry issues. But generally speaking, uh, the house is quite solid and it is nearly a turnkey museum. Only we can put a roof on it. Well, we're uh, certainly excited to see, uh, you know, what could be done there if uh, if uh, things are going well. Are you able to tell on the uh, uh, on the voting right now how things are going as far as uh, you know where you stand right now? <clears throat> well, we are we're in the top two. Um, there is right now, as we're speaking, 66 votes difference between the, the top, the leader and us. Um, yesterday we had taken the lead. We, we held the lead actually for about 48 hours with about 600 votes. Um, very interesting watching how time zones are affecting what's happening in the results. Uh, we're able to catch up in the mornings when the West is still sleeping, but then come 11 o'clock noon when the West starts to wake up, we see their votes increase and catch up to us. So uh, there's a very interesting dynamic of East Coast versus West Coast. Uh, and in, in that respect, uh, it really is something that should interest every Nova Scotia, especially in the Southwest. Absolutely. And with the, uh, like you said, the uh, the Congreve model that's coming here, uh, so many people are going to be in our region uh, for that. And you know, they'll want to visit it uh, for sure. So uh, like you said, you have that in mind too. How how excited are you to for, you know, this area to host that huge event? Uh, the Acadian Congress, you know, it's it's such a big event that it, it really saturates the whole tourism industry for, for that entire season. It, it's the flagship event. And that really is part of the motivation. Um, the museum closed just before the Congrès came to the southwest of Nova Scotia last time, 20 years ago. Um, and it would be a shame to miss such a, such a big event about people from away coming to learn about their roots and not be able to open that door and just show them something that's so visceral to Acadian history, almost like Grand Prix is. 
Um, so it's a big part of the motivation. We know that that big Congre Mondial freight train is coming, and boy, we want to be ready for it uh, with a world-class attraction. And like you said, uh, Dan, I think there's something to be said about actually being able to go into one of these buildings that was used uh, you know, by the Acadians in, in the 1700s and, and get to see you know, what, how, what their life look like. So that's absolutely huge for somebody that's coming, especially someone to learn about uh, the Acadian culture, right? Well, I mean, there's, there's, and there's been such a uh, progression of technology in the last 40 years that we forget very simple things like, you know, the first settlers that came back, uh, how they cook, a lot of the cooking was done perhaps in a communal outdoor oven or inside the house around an open hearth. There was no cast iron stove. There was no wood range. So even being able to show simple details of life back then, you know, in the middle of August, they were trying to cook on an open hearth in the middle of the four-room house. Um, it's eye-opening. And it, it is the, – the house does date older than most of the assets in the museums we have around the Cadian culture. So we're really proud of that too. And – I can remember being a kid, I grew up in the Valley, and we always took a class trip, like you mentioned, to a place like Grand Pre. And, you know, you learn the story about Evangeline, and you get to, to tour those areas and all the, the history that uh, that they have. So when you look at this and, and, you know, to get this building back up and running, what will that mean for the local education, uh, you know, of it as well? I mean, a lot of, uh, you know, schools in the CSAP would love to, and beyond, Tri-County as well, would love to be able to tour this building, I'm sure. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, I mean, I'm from a generation where uh, when I was in grade two, I'm I'm part of 20 years of kids that did their grade two class field trip to La Vieille Maison. And that was all, all the CSFA schools in the area did that, and even a few other schools. And if we were good little Acadians on our grade two uh, school trip, well, the next year they would pack us all in a bus and bring us to Fort Anne and Port Royal, right? Um, and generations of school kids learned about Acadian history with those two particular school trips. Um, so that is, you know, a big, big driving force is to return that learning tool to the community, uh, to be able to have regular school trips coming in and, and not just the grade two students. I mean, there's, there's a great interest even from universities to, to research what's there. Yep. Yeah, it's, and, it's, a, it's a world-class learning tool, no doubt. And it's right in your backyard, which is uh, which is fantastic, right in Matagan. So yeah. we love to see that, and uh, we love to hear that it's uh, you know uh, being worked on for sure. So um, with this next Great Save competition, uh, let's get into the details on how uh, we can vote and uh, how many times a day we can vote, those types of things. I'm sure uh, people that haven't uh, heard about it are eager to know how can we do it. So uh, one way is to go to the National Trust website and follow the links to Great Save. Another way is to go to the lavieremaison.ca website, um, follow the big yellow button on the top. We're pretty easy to find um, because of there's been a lot of viral activity going on in the last few days. So if you ask Google where to find us, it'll take you right there too. You can vote every day for uh, until the 20th of February. Uh, you can vote from anywhere. So if you have listeners from the USA or France or anywhere else, those folks can, can vote also. And we appreciate your vote. Um, 
and we'll find out on the 23rd of February exactly who the winner is. Well, we are excited to hear who that winner is going to be. Like you said, uh, it's a pretty uh, tight competition between you and another area right now. Uh, so we'll see how that progresses over the next, uh, well, uh, less than a month now until we find out uh, who the winner is. And uh, we will also post a link to our website, uh, cjls.com, uh, as well to uh, to get those votes on uh, for. You know, it, it really got bigger than community versus community. It is East Coast versus West Coast. <laughs> we, we hope everybody gets together and, and galvanizes an effort to drive those votes every day. Yes, indeed. Make sure you make it part of your 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 day. I know everyone gets up and checks social media first thing in the morning, right? So <laughs> drop that vote, right, for Laviel Maison. <laughs> we love to hear it. That, well, Dan Robichaud, uh, the uh, secretary of the uh, society, uh, Laviel Maison in, uh, in Matagan, and trying to win Canada's next great save competition. Uh, you can vote uh, every single day. National Trust for Canada's website, lavielmaison.ca as well. You can check that out. And uh, eventually, we will post a link on our CJLS uh, website as well. So, Dan, thank you so much for your time. And we want to wish you the best of luck and, and the uh, the committee as well in, uh, in making sure that uh, you can bring this home for Matagan and for uh, this area. All right. Thank you. And The Weekender returns in a moment on Y95. Welcome back to The Weekender on Y95. I'm Jacob Postlewaite. I'm joined today by Ian White from the Western Counties Regional Library, and he's here to talk about everything surrounding the library, looking back last year on 2022 and looking ahead to this year, 2023. Thanks so much for joining me, Ian. Oh, you're very welcome, Jacob. How have you been? I've been good. I've been good. It's been, uh, you know, a a busy start to the year, and uh, I'm sure you guys have had a lot going on as well. But uh, first, what we'll do, we'll chat a little bit about a little bit of background about uh, the library. So tell us about some of the communities you serve here in the Tri-Counties. Sure, uh, definitely. Well, Western Counties Regional Library, it's one of uh, eight regional library systems outside of uh, Halifax Regional Municipality. So we cover three counties, Digby, Shelburne, and Yarmouth Counties. We have 10 branches in those three counties. So if you like uh, a little bit of a drive, or of course, if you live there, you don't have to drive at all or take any ferries, but we start out in Westport, and then we have a branch in Digby, Weymouth, Matagan, Yarmouth, of course, Pubnico, up towards uh, the road that heads to Argyle, near the Dairy Treat there, um, and uh, in the old church. Then we have uh, one in Barrington, a relatively new facility, lovely location near the causeway, Barrington Municipal Library. And then we have Clark's Harbor Library. And uh, just down the road, if you're heading towards uh, uh, Queens County, before you get there, of course, you come to Shelburne, and we have our Shelburne Library. And then down in Lockport, we have the lovely Lockport branch. Great. So you've got kind of like the whole, everything covered, every little bit, there's a library if, if you need to stop in. Oh, yeah, for sure. And if you look at it, we've got the largest geographic area, even bigger than Cape Breton branches, uh, to get to from our headquarters out to, say, Westport. So it's it's quite an area to cover, and we like to think of ourselves as little franchises of learning, uh, accessibility, and openness in each community. For sure. So let's talk a little bit about 2022 first. 
Uh, let's look a little back a little bit. Uh, tell us about some of the highlights for the library uh, looking back last year. I guess uh, some of the highlights would be we were sort of not that we're out of the pandemic, but things lifted and we were able to return to a relative degree of normalcy. But during that time, we also played a role in distributing uh, rapid test kits and things like that. We even early on in the year in the cold winter months, we were out in various locations in the tri-counties distributing these kits. But obviously the big highlight, especially for me, because it falls under what I do, it was the Adopt-A-Book campaign. Of course, that ran from October 1st to November 30th. And uh, thanks in large part to the support of Y95, <laughs> the, campa- the campaign pardon me, resulted in 977 new books being adopted and going up on library shelves. That's valued at about almost $29,000. And so that's a huge success. And it was the second time since the campaign's inception in 96 that it uh, was run over a two-month period instead of three. Awesome. Well, we're always happy to, you know, support that. It's a great campaign. It's for a great cause. You know, it gets gets people reading and it helps, of course, get some money for you guys, which helps go into programs and things like that as well. Well, yeah, this one is particularly about putting books on shelves. And, of course, uh, unfortunately, we've had our, our budget frozen for a, a three-year span. So and we all know about what inflation is like these days. So right. um, this is, has been a big boost. And, of course, thanks in large part to CGLS, and, uh, which has sponsored it since its inception in '96, by the way. Uh, and it's been airing campaign advertisements and doing live updates throughout the two-month period. And that's critical to making people aware of it. So financial institutions, community organizations, schools, library friends groups, they all provided very large donations in the hundreds and thousands of dollars. And, of course, individuals are huge contributors to the campaign. And I think it's well-supported because people have the ability to see and hold the book they're adopting, and they can borrow it. And, of course, it runs every two years, and get these figures. It's resulted in 17,751 new books on library shelves, valued at almost $400,000 over the 14 campaigns. So you can look for the next one in the fall of 2024. Yes, it'll be something to look forward to for sure. And uh, I was going to ask you, I, I heard you mentioned uh, about the rapid test kits. You guys were giving those out last year. Are those something that people can still pick up at, at branches? Yes, we have them right near the entrances, and they're just out, uh, easy to grab, so people can come in and take them. They're there uh, for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, of course, talking about the pandemic a little bit, one thing you guys sort of ramped up a bit was online reading and things like that. And I see, you know, you sent me some information about some of your programs. So tell me about a lot of what you're doing with online reading. Well, yes, you're, you're bang on there. Uh, one thing we hope to do more of in 2023 is uh, some information sessions on how to take advantage of all those uh, downloadable ebooks and audiobooks. And that's uh, mainly through our library's Libby app. But uh, we are working on developing programming to help people familiarize with all the resources we have, uh, including helping people with digital technology. So that's something to look forward to. Um, Of course, during the pandemic, we worked really hard to enhance our digital services. We enlarged our OverDrive collection, which is e-books, audiobooks, digital magazines. And uh, that collection you can access through an app called Libby, as I mentioned earlier. And that helps navigate the digital catalog and manage the items you borrow. It's really, really effective, I find. 
And we also added Press Reader, which offers access to thousands of newspapers and magazines from across Canada and around the world. Um, and we also now have a service called Hoopla, allowing people to stream and borrow free movies, music, audiobooks, ebooks, comics, and TV shows to enjoy on your computer, tablet, phone, and your television. So if people enjoy um, crafts, painting, writing, creating their own, say, teas or perfumes, then uh, they should check out uh, something we've added called Creative Bug in our e-library. Uh, it's another service, uh, pardon me, service added during the pandemic and includes instructive videos and a variety of crafts and artistic endeavors and how-tos. Excellent. You know, there's a lot of good stuff there. It seems like there's a little bit, you know, something for everybody, you know, if you're interested in just, you know, traditional books, you mentioned comics as well, crafts, different things. So it really seems like you've got a, a good scope of, of something that could interest anyone. Oh, most definitely. And, and as uh, restrictions are lifting, people are doing uh, a little more traveling or maybe they want to learn a new language just because. So uh, we have something in our digital catalog, our, our e-library called Rocket Languages. Uh, and that offers courses in 14 different languages, including American Sign Language, which isn't very effective on the radio, of course, but uh, it allows you to learn the language on your own terms and in your own time. So uh, that's neat. I've been working a little bit on my Spanish. I don't know why, but I just have. Hey, it's good, good to have. It's always good to have another language. You know, I, I speak a little bit of French, and that certainly helped me out in this area. So, you know, having the more languages, the better. Definitely. Definitely. It opens so many doors. No, absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And a big thing to look for in 2023, Jacob, as well, is uh, accessibility. So we're working yes, to make all of our services and buildings more accessible. Uh, that's through training and access to new technology, helping people with a variety of disabilities, uh, let's say, a touch upon uh, people with a print disability. So some of the services... Uh, and items we offer include things like large print books, audiobooks and ebooks, uh, portable daisy talking books, uh, free access to uh, Center for Equitable Library Access and uh, National Network for Equitable Library Service. So those are uh, services that deal specifically for print uh, people with print disabilities and have items in all the mentioned things as well as Braille. And uh, those can be delivered right to your home if you wish. Uh, there's autism fidget and sensory toolkits, borrow by mail and staff-assisted selection, videos and DVDs with descriptive text, and uh, captioned videos and DVDs. So some of the things that help uh, help people gain access to some great entertainment and uh, things to learn. For sure. It's always good to keep keep that in mind, you know, how we how you can open up the library to everybody, you know, and make those changes to make it more accessible. That's always something that's really important. It definitely is. And it's something uh, all the libraries across the province are, are striving to achieve um, through their accessibility plans. For sure. For sure. So let's talk a little bit about some of the programs that are going to be coming up this year. Tell us about, you know, anything new that might be coming up uh, during 2023. Well, right off the bat, uh, we've got a great partnership with uh, Canada Revenue Agency, and hate to mention this, but it's pretty important, but tax season is coming. Uh, and coming up on uh, January 18th in Digby, 19th in Yarmouth, and January 20th in Shelburne um, is a Tax Benefits and Scams Program. So an outreach wor worker with uh, Canada Revenue Agency's Community Volunteer Income Tax Program will discuss how to use different tax benefits and how to protect yourself uh, from scams and frauds. 
Uh, and this program is geared towards uh, older adults, and people are asked to register the day before each session by contacting the library branch. Uh, now, does everyone have a pen or pencil ready? All the details for these can be found in the events section of our website at westerncounties.ca. So write that down and then go there, please. And this, of course, you can always call your local branch and they'll have the information as well. Sure. And uh, this program, of course, is in partnership with our Community Volunteer Income Tax Program, and that gears up um, during tax season for low-income earners. It's a free service, and that'll be at our Digby and, and Yarmouth branches uh, probably February through April. But, yes, uh, yes, that's yeah. really important, you know, with, with scams. And I'm, is that going to be dealing, because we see a lot today, you know, online scams. Will it be sort of tackling that kind of thing as well? It will, it will. Um, I'm not sure exactly which, which things they'll touch upon, but people, uh, the, the scam artists out there tend to gear their scams towards whatever's big at that moment. So mm -hmm. maybe during the Christmas period, it was a false Canada Post or package delivery and now during tax season it's a tax scam you know you've got a refund <laughs> something like that for sure tell us about some of the uh, other programs coming up this year well uh, we do have some interesting interesting things in the works for 2023 our collections librarian Lydia Hunsberger is working on what I call observa observation kits for bird watching night sky gazing and marine animal watching the library is going to purchase 20 sets of binoculars for adults and 20 sets for kids. And these are going to be loaned out as kits of uh, two for each, you know, two for adults, two for kids, and accompanying guidebooks to Nova Scotia birds, the night sky, and marine animals. So it'll be something uh, creative and fun for families, small groups, or individuals. Uh, so you can look forward to those being available at our library branches in the coming months. Of course, we still have to buy the binoculars, but it, it'll happen. Okay, so that's <laughs> something that'll probably be coming up more so in the, in our spring-summer season. Then. Yeah, more than likely. We hope okay. to get that uh, rolling in the next few months. Uh, but uh, you, we're also acquiring energy meters to loan out to people, and this is an important uh, thing to know, uh, how your appliances are doing, whether they need replacing. So these meters plug into the wall, and then people can plug an appliance into the meter and it'll let you know whether or not it's an energy hog or if it's sufficient so you can quickly determine whether or not it's time to replace the old coffee maker toaster or other appliance for a more energy efficient one excellent excellent so are those kind of the the big uh, new programs you're highlighting this year is there anything else you want to mention about uh, new programming coming up Yep. Well, annually, we do this every summer, and it begins at the end of June. It's the Summer Reading Club. So hopefully people are somewhat familiar with that. We usually have good uptake. Of course, it was a challenge during the pandemic, but uh, things are normalizing somewhat in terms of how we can deliver programs. So it's a family affair with reading clubs for children, teens, and adults with possible prize rewards for reading during the summer months. So uh, participants have to uh, attain their summer reading goal, track it, and then submit their reading hours to their local branch library. And then their names are entered into draws for some fun prizes such as Lego kits for kids, gift certificates for teens, and a dinner out for adults. That's awesome. That's always an awesome program. I remember when I was a kid, I did that program. Oh, really? Oh, really? oh yeah. I was every <laughs> year doing the summer reading program, and it's it, it really is such a valuable program. It gets you, you know, it gives you that little bit of 
motivation because I mean I I was a, I was a big reader as a kid, but doing that summer reading program was was always awesome to try to track and follow us things along. Know you could win a prize at the end. It was it was just a really great thing to to do during the summer months and keeps your keeps your brain going. You know when and it's you know you're out of school and. You might be, you know, less focused on learning and stuff. I think it's a really good program to kind of keep you engaged, keep you moving, you know, keep your brain going during those summer months. That's exactly what it's designed for, for sure. And for someone like you, it must have been pretty breezy because you're doing something you love anyway and and with the potential bonus of winning a prize. So it's a win-win. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely, for sure. Yeah, and of course, then we have our regular programming. So we have a full slate of uh, regular things at the branches, and these include things like uh, playgroups, bedtime stories, bridge uh, clubs and fiber groups, puzzle exchanges, book clubs, science programs, and of course, guest speakers on a wide range of subjects and guest authors. So again, to find out what exactly is going on and when it's going on, I just ask you to visit westerncounties.ca. And there you will get the most up-to-date information from branch locations and hours to programming. That's all excellent. There's a lot of good stuff coming up, Ian. Uh, thanks so much for joining me, for, for chatting about stuff. Anything else you wanted to uh, highlight about what's going on this year with, uh, with the library or any other thoughts you had about you know being kind of fully back and open and sort of starting to put the pandemic and COVID behind us a little bit, or at least adapting to it? I guess what I'm excited to see is we, we're, um, we've got a, a young energetic staff um, in the management section now, and they seem to be brim, brimming with new ideas. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what they come up with and, and what's developed in the next few months. And uh, then hopefully I can share that with, uh, with people, uh, either through uh, radio or... <laughs> Of course, through social media or through our website. Well, we're always looking forward to hear more about that. You know, anything you guys have, feel free to send it our way. We're always we're always happy to learn about what's going on at the library. Oh, thank you very much, Jacob. Yeah, Y95 has been in our corner, and they've been great supporters, and we're appreciative of that. Oh, we're always happy to help out. You know, it's 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 great to support our our local libraries, like you know, with Adopt the Book, and we'll be we'll be looking forward to that coming back. You say in 2024, so we'll be yep. looking forward to that for sure. Oh, uh, great! Look forward to seeing you then. Great. Well, Ian White, thank you so much for joining me today, talking about what's going on in the uh, Western Counties Regional Library. My pleasure, Jacob. Take care. The Weekender returns in a moment on Y95. Welcome back to The Weekender on Y95. I'm Kevin Northup. A dead whale washed up in Yarmouth County last Monday. It was discovered at Wedgeport Point. The Marine Animal Response Society says it was a 19-foot-long pilot whale I got to speak with Tanya Wimmer of the Society for more details on this incident. So joined now by Tanya Wimmer with the Marine Animal Response Society. Uh, Tanya, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So we had a report of uh, of an animal, a marine animal, washing up in Wedgeport, and that's what we're talking about uh, this afternoon. So tell us, I guess, kind of in a nutshell, uh, when you got that report and uh, sort of where uh, that happened. Yes, yeah, so we got a report from uh, citizens who, I think someone had posted a picture on Facebook of a gentleman who was standing next to this dead whale down by Lower Wedgeport um, along the nature trail. And so from there, we were basically trying to get information on, okay, is it still there? Is this an accurate report? And really quickly, we were able to actually touch base with a lot of people local in the community to confirm, yes, it's there. It was very fresh. Um, and it was literally just sort of sitting right there on the beach. From there, that was when we sort of put our 
people into action, trying to figure out if we can get folks down there, see if we could, you know, try to do what we call a necropsy, figure out what happened to it. Um, and it became a little bit of a challenge because, of course, it's very cold out and uh, our team's a bit of a distance away and we have to deal with Mother Nature and weather, too. And uh, do you know exactly where uh, that uh, that whale had washed up was around Wedgeport Point area? Yes, I believe so. It was sort of right along the nature trail to sort of at the end of the road. So it was a very, I mean, that was the thing. We had a lot of people who were going down to try to look at and see this animal because it was extremely accessible. So that was also part of this was to make sure, you know, lovely that people want to go see it. We do want to make sure people obviously are treating whether it's a live animal or a dead animal, very respectfully, but we also want to make sure people are safe and because it was up on, you know, wet rocks. And this whale, um, how rare is this for this type of whale? Do you know, first of all, know what type of whale it is and, and how rare is it for uh, one to wash up, I guess, uh, this time of year here? Yes, yeah, so this guy is what we call a long fin pilot whale. It's a male. He's just under ni- uh, about 19, 20 feet long, so not quite full grown. They get to be quite big, but pretty close. Um, we actually get pilot whales around uh, Nova Scotia and the Maritimes uh, quite often, sort of from spring through fall, especially, really up around Cape Breton. Um, but we do get some scragglers throughout sort of the later part of the year. And they are one of our more common species to strand, but not usually necessarily in the winter. So the location is a bit odd for them to sort of be around that Bay of Fundy, lower tip of uh, southwest Nova. And then at this time of year to have one that washed up dead is a bit strange. It's not completely unusual, but uh, it's definitely not uh, a very common occurrence. Right. And is it known, uh, obviously you're going to do the uh, the test there, but uh, any ideas on what may have happened with this whale? No, I mean, and that's a bit of, uh, without any of these animals for the most part, it's usually a bit of a mystery until we can really get a good look at it. And so, I mean, these animals, uh, pilot whales are known to do what we call mass strand. We've definitely had that down in that area before where there's a bunch of whales that come ashore. This doesn't appear to be that kind of a case. The animal's a little bit thin, but until we can really have a look at it, we won't uh, We won't know. And we were very fortunate to, you know, work with the the folks that do the maintenance on the trail and also with, um, I think it's rhino t- uh, rhinos towing, to be able to actually pick the whale up and they delivered it to the agricultural college in Truro um, for us uh, very kindly. It's not what they do either, but they're kindly providing us some outdoor space so we can do that very important necropsy. Oh, wonderful. So Rhino's Towing was involved and they towed the whale to Wedgeport, or to Truro, sorry. Uh, that was uh, held, uh, was it the other day? Is uh, How long ago was that? They did it this morning. So they were able to get the uh, whale up on their truck and brought it to the uh, the Agricultural College and got there some point this afternoon. Um, and for them, I know when I was talking to the owner, who's very accommodating when you, you know, not everyone <laughs> reacts. Well, you know, you never have people going to react with a very bizarre request, like, could you pick up a whale for us? Um, but they were extremely accommodating, And but I know it was a first for them. So it was quite interesting all around. Definitely. Uh, very, very interesting. Uh, Tanya, anything else that, you know, that we should know if somebody comes along, uh, you know, a, an animal in distress or a, a dead whale, like in this case, what are kind of the first steps you'd like to see from somebody there? The first thing, especially is, you know, we always ask people to keep our toll-free hotline nearby, which is one 567 6277 Have that handy just in your pocket, just in case or in your phone. And then the big thing really is getting, you know, being able to snap a few photographs of what you're looking at. And again, whether it's a live animal that's in trouble you know, anything sort of big that's on the beaches that really probably shouldn't be, um, or if it's something that you found that's dead. The other key thing to remember is keep your distance. You know, these animals do carry diseases. We also want to treat them respectfully. So, you know, keeping your distance, but, you know, being able to get a few photos, have a good look, um, that's always, you know, fine. But we do ask for that phone call and especially to be able to share uh, images. 
definitely don't touch it kind of thing. Just kind of keep your distance. That's the best uh, way to do it. Absolutely, yep. Exactly. Tanya, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else that uh, you know we should know about this particular incident? And uh, uh, are you are you finding there are more and more of these kind of incidents uh, popping up this time of year, or uh, does this happen normally during the, the, the warmer weather? Well, I mean, usually, I mean, for us around the Maritimes, like a lot of the whale species and, and, and also some others, you know, sharks and turtles and whatnot, are usually here from spring sort of through fall. They are starting to, you know, go tick more into what we consider normal winter months. Um, but it is, you know, things are warming up and the things are shifting. And so think we are seeing a bit of adjustment in terms of when animals are stranding, where they're stranding. And that's part of the really important research that we do is to keep track of all of those incidents and try to see if there's anything new or changing that we all should be really aware of and probably concerned with. Tanya Wimmer from the Marine Animal Response Society. Thank you very, very much for your time, and uh, you have a great day. You too. Thank you very much. That was Tanya Wimmer of the Marine Animal Response Society talking about a washed-up dead whale on the beaches of Wedgeport. Shifting now to hockey, where the Valley High School Hockey League hosting its boys' all-star game in Yarmouth tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock. The Parambar Sharks are hosting it, and I got to speak with head coach Julian Boudreau earlier this week about the event. So joined now by uh, Julian Boudreau, the head coach of the Paramba Sharks, who are uh, hosting the uh, Valley High School Hockey League Boys All-Star Game coming up on Sunday. Uh, Julian, thanks for the time. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Kevin. Thanks. I know you? you. I know you're doing great. Uh, after uh, a very successful uh, month of December where you were able to lift the Timber Cup for the first time, I want to ask you about that and uh, and how that felt to uh, to win that tournament here at Mariner Center. Uh, we've been we've been chasing that trophy for a long time, so it felt really good to uh, to come together and put a good tournament together, and, and finally, like you said, uh, uh, bring our first Timber Cup home. So that was it was awesome, and the the crowd at Mariner Center was awesome to behind us. So the whole the whole experience was great, and the boys loved it, and yeah, it was awesome. And you got to play Yarmouth in the final too. So how cool was it to have two teams, local teams, able to battle for the Timber Cup? If if our rivalry wasn't uh, ignited before, it definitely was after. So it was awesome. I mean, all the kids know each other on and off the ice. Coaching staff, I mean, me and Jake start talking in September about hockey. We help each other out. So it was awesome to have somebody from Yarmouth to, to win it either way. So, yeah, it was great. Well, it, it was a great tournament. Got to be a part of that as well, and uh, it was fantastic. And I know the regular season has uh, continued on for you guys. And uh, now we've got a very uh, a cool event coming here on Sunday to Mariner Center. So the game time is at 4 o'clock. It's the Valley High School Hockey League Boys All-Star Game. So, uh, Julian, can you tell us a bit about how this works and what's going to be happening on Sunday? Yep, so the way it works, um, every team, like we have 13 teams in our league, so every team uh, will send three players. Uh, two forwards, one defense, and uh, the league is divided into an East and West conference. So the um, <clears throat> East will play West, of course, and the top three teams from each side will send one goalie that will play um, a period each. And, um, yeah, so it's just to showcase the the best players in our league, and uh, right at home is going to be great for, for our fans. And I see that you and uh, Jake McClay of uh, Yarmouth are going to be behind the bench for uh, the West team. Yep. Yep, it's it's um, it's a fun experience. I, I've been lucky enough to, to coach an all-star team before, and um, everything you tell your players not to do in a regular season game, it's kind of encouraged to do in an all-star game. So 
instead of just playing a team system of get pucks deep and go get it, it's okay. Now you can do that toe drag. I've been telling you not to do before, <laughs> or instead of missing a wide open net or passing it off, maybe try for that short side corner or something like that. So it's a totally different game, but it, it's an awesome experience. The, the kids love it. And that's what it's all about, I guess. Yeah. I guess the, the team dynamics kind of go out the window with the, with all-star games. We see it at every level. So if they want to try yeah. something, uh, something individual, something that's going to look cool in a highlight reel, then, uh, You've got the green flag from Coach Boudreaux, right? Exactly, exactly. But there are some amazing goals that are scored, some tic-tac-toe plays that are awesome. And it, it's cool to see because most of these guys have never talked to each other before. And then they get on the ice and within no time, just because of the skill level and their hockey IQs, that within no time they start gelling. And it's it's a great game to watch. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, uh, players from your team uh, that are going, I know the goaltender, uh, Miguel Soret, he's going to be there. Miguel will be there. Yep, our our captain Carson will be there. Uh, our leading scorer Blake Newell will be there, and representing our our defense is, is Seamus Dontremont. Perfect. So uh, I know they're all uh, probably pretty excited to to do this. So uh, again, four o'clock at Mariners Center. Um, so it's going to be the two teams from uh, one from the West, one from the East that are going to be battling it out uh, for the uh, Valley High School Hockey League All Star Game uh, title. So uh, what else do we need to know about the event? Um, free admission, so there, there's uh, come on out and uh, enjoy some great hospitality at the canteen and watch a great game of hockey for free. So, yeah, and like I said, it's it's awesome high level competition and uh, see what our league has to offer. Yeah, it's a great league, and uh, you know I tell anyone that uh, that will listen to uh, really go out and watch and support uh, high school hockey here because it's uh, it, it's great and and the crowds are really back too from what I've noticed in the games that uh, you know I've been involved with you guys and, and Yarmouth uh, the crowds seem to be really coming back this year right oh yeah um, the the rookies that's the first thing they notice after our first home game holy the the crowds that come out to watch high school hockey not just our team but all all the teams you know what I mean so it, it, it's a different culture than than minor hockey you're playing for your school so more more your 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 um, colleagues from class come out to watch and teachers and parents and everybody else they all come out so it, it's been great crowds all year so yeah certainly and uh for you uh as coach of uh, Parambai, i know you've got another tournament that you're preparing for very soon mm-hmm. yeah we're gonna go to the art lightfoot tournament in uh, kentville and we're actually the two-time defending champs of that tournament because they haven't had a tournament for the last two years is usually after Christmas. The first time we're playing after Christmas for the long time due to COVID. So we have to go defend our title from 2019 at uh, our Dorrington, uh, the, the, our Lightfoot, if I can say it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> all different players probably from 2019, right? There's, there's nobody returned to that tournament who's, who's raised that banner. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so defending a title that uh, the, the school won. Well, what it that way? It's, it's exactly, a school title. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. After that, we have uh, regionals that'll be in actually Barrington, which is close. So anybody who wants to go watch that, it'll be the last weekend in February. And um, if if uh, all goes to plan, uh, hopefully we'll be going to Port Hawkesbury or to Lewisdale, I guess, to uh, play for a provincial banner. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, uh, best of luck to you, uh, certainly, and. Uh, and uh, have fun behind the bench uh, this weekend. And I know you've got a couple of games before that, too. So uh, hope you have a great weekend of hockey. And, uh, again, Valley High School Hockey League Boys All-Star Game is coming up on Sunday, 4 p.m. at Mariner Center. Free admission 
Free admission. Free admission. We, we love that. We love that. Uh, great yeah. stuff. Julian, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it, and uh, have a great rest of the season. Thanks, Kevin. We appreciate the publicity. I appreciate it very much. Thank you. And that's our program for today. Thanks for listening. For story suggestions or to submit feedback, email news.cjls at radioabl.ca or call our newsline at 902-749-1919. To listen to archived versions of our program, visit us online at cjls.com and click on The Weekender. The Weekender is a production of the Y95 Newsroom and is brought to you by Eris Yarmouth, your one-stop healthy home center.